Hello and welcome to this July 24th edition of the World Soccer Talk podcast. I'm your host, Nipun Chopra. Thanks for joining us. Today, we will spend the entirety of the podcast discussing the transfer window so far for the Premier League teams. We'll go through each team, tell you who they have signed and let go, and which of these signings we think is crucial so far. In order to help me do this, I'm joined by Robert Hay Jr. and Gabe Smith. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Now, before we get into the meat of things, a quick correction from last week. And this comes from our listener, David Decay. I hope I didn't butcher your name, David. But uh, he correctly pointed out that uh, our information for AC Milan was one year out of date. And the entirety for, of that blame goes on me because I happened to look up uh, the wrong uh, year for the transfer. And without going into a whole thing about why I made that mistake, the fault is mine, not Karthik's. So let me go ahead and update us really quickly on the AC Milan situation. Um, and what has happened so far is they've signed uh, striker Gianluca Lapadula from Pescara and left-back Vangioni from uh, River Plate, are the only transfer they've had so far. El Shirawi, uh, Simon Verde, uh, Torres is going back after the loan. Uh, all of those players have left uh, along with... Uh, players like Felipe Mexis, Kevin Pres- Prince Botang, and Alex have left the club with the expiration of their contracts. And Robert, you you follow AC Milan, uh, sorry, you follow Italian football very closely. Has there have there been any real developments in the last week in terms of transfers for them? You know, I haven't been keeping as up to date with AC Milan as, as some of the other clubs, but mm-hmm. um, I you know I think the big thing right now is is figuring out what the the ownership situation yeah. is and what their financial situation. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I was laughing as you were going through the correction. Um, I mean, <laughs> to be glib, it, it doesn't make that huge of a difference right. which year we're talking about transfers because it's a lot of the same results. So yeah. there's a lot of figuring out that they have to go on. I know they're trying to spend some money this this soft season, but uh, or you know this this transfer window, I should say. But what's the situation right now with the ownership? Berlusconi finally going to sell the club? What's what's the update there? I. I I need to I need to check the my most recent update, but there's always that rumor. I think there's always groups that are coming in and, mm-hmm. and offering money, and it's just signing the deal. I have to mm-hmm. go back and double check the most recent update. Yeah, but, I think it was like Chinese Chinese owners awesome. that at least rumored to to yeah. be coming in with that. And I was gonna say is you know I, I think after you listing out that uh, uh, that that transfer lineup so far for, for AC Milan, I'm not sure if there's many AC Milan fans that actually want a reminder of their transfer doings uh, so far. And I guess the other one too would be Carlos Baca, who's been heavily rumored to be uh, on the way out, um, whether it be uh, with West Ham or, or another team that might potentially be coming in for him, such as PSG. Right, absolutely. So guys, let's, let's get started with the Premier League transfers now. We'll start with Burnmouth. Uh, and we're using a, a couple of sites here to get our uh, transfer updates. So they, these are accurate, I think, until last night. Uh, if there were any transfers today, I think <laughs> oh, we'll miss those, but that's okay. Uh, Burnmouth... So the the big incoming transfers, uh, Gabe, were Emerson Hinman, uh, the big talking point for me from that guy, uh, American midfielder. He starred in the FC Dallas Academy, signed for Fulham. And uh, I think there are two reasons here. First of all, he, he's a midfielder. He's promising. But I also think it that Burnmouth, uh, Jeff Mostyn is a terrific chairman. And I think they really are trying to increase the Burnmouth brand stateside. And I think Emerson Hinman allows them to do that. Yeah, no, it definitely does, uh, and that's not exactly a position that they were um, 
you know, really strong in. I think there's there's some there's some decent names. I mean, Harry Arder played decent for them last season. Uh, Lewis Cook um, is is a player that's coming in uh, for them that could that could do a job. So I, I think there's there's a great opportunity for uh, for him to be able to come in uh, and get playing time, uh, not exclusively with just um, uh, some of the uh, um, domestic then uh, cups, then either FA Cup or, or Capital One. Uh, so excellent opportunity there, but but as you point out, I think that the biggest thing, uh, as you have then uh, Premier League teams, especially those then that's uh, uh, lower in the table there, that that can be able to expand their brand uh, and their marketplace. Uh, you get it now to where uh, it's not just the big teams; uh, they're coming over stateside then for tours, uh, starting to see then um, a, a lot more variety than in the type of uh, English clubs then that are coming over. Uh, for stateside tours, so just an excellent opportunity for them to uh, to gain some some more, uh, gain a bigger hold then in the U.S. marketplace. Yeah, because the, as you mentioned, they they didn't have a lot of depth there, and they also let go of Matt Ritchie to, to Newcastle United. And Robert, I was very surprised by this because he's been crucial for, uh, to them for the last two seasons. Uh, in two seasons ago, when they were in the championship, he played over forty games. Last season, he played thirty six out of thirty eight league games. Uh, and he's only 26, and I, I was very surprised that he they let him go uh, to Newcastle United. Yeah, you know, it's 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 one of those things, I guess, where and I'm I'm unfortunately not uh, as close followers as Bournemouth as some of the other people you might hear uh, at podcasts, but uh, you know, I think it is, uh, you know, you have these these players that go out of favor uh, with the club or whatever, and we when you have changes and um, players that come in. So there's probably a, a longer story behind that. Um, but he, you know, I think he'll be very good for, we haven't touched on Newcastle or will, but you know, I think this is a good pickup for them. Uh, certainly some, uh, veteran experience there that will help them. Uh, one quick to a note on Hyman. I think for, for the U S I know this isn't the focus of this podcast, but for the U S national team setup, I think this is a huge opportunity for him right. to get some quality playing time, and that'll only help Jurgen Klinsmann's team because he is one of those fringy players that I think um, young fringy players that could come in and make a difference in 2018 and beyond. So uh, for those people who like Americans to go overseas and play, uh, here's an example of a guy who could uh, live up to that stereotype uh, if he plays well. Yeah, Gabe. Yeah, go ahead. It was, it was good. Just yeah, add to that. I think I think probably the the biggest things with with Richie is you know the the uh, incoming of, of Jordan Ibe, uh, which That's was right, yeah. for 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 Liverpool fans, I think was a bit surprising to see that kind of price tag, uh, fifteen million pounds associated with with Jordan. Um, that's including um, a a sell on and buyback clause uh, as well, which usually then decreases uh, the amount of money there uh, with some of the additional incentives uh, set there. So it, Bournemouth, you can tell, really wanted this type of player, very direct. Uh, player good good with his feet. Um, obviously, still has uh, some ceiling potential to, to go. Um, didn't have the greatest of seasons. Uh, didn't have many opportunities uh, under Klopp then with Liverpool last season. And I think when you look at that, uh, you know him starting uh, likely then in, in on one wing has already gotten a preseason goal uh, for Bournemouth so far. Uh, you're probably looking at then um, um, Max Gradle then on the other right. side who who was out injured uh, pretty much the entirety of last season. So that's almost going to feel like a new signing for them. So definitely some, you know, some, some, some good potential there uh, on both wings. I mean, uh, Gradle's, you know, 28 now, I think, or, or something uh, in the high twenties at this point. So it's not necessarily to where he, you're, you're getting him for potential, but there was definitely some expectations uh, for, for him coming into uh, to last season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what Bournemouth can do in the wide area is definitely going to have some very direct players uh, crossing the ball in uh, next season. Yeah, I, I mean, Jordan, I was definitely what I, I'm glad you 
give us your thoughts on Jordan Knight because uh, I, I keep thinking to myself that it might have been uh, – I don't know. I feel like it might have been a mistake in terms of uh, how it plays out because I think he he's the most talented Liverpool player to come through – well, not through, but uh, through the at least the youth ranks uh, since uh, Raheem Sterling. So uh, kind of sad to see him go, but I think uh, it's probably the right decision all around. Let's move ahead yeah. to uh, to Arsenal. Robert, we'll start with you. Uh, the big incoming transfer so far has been Granit Xhaka. Uh, from Borussia Mönchengladbach, a player that I think all of us admire. 23 years old, a holding midfielder, and he is crucial to them this season, Robert, because they have let go three central midfielders. Mikel Arteta, Tomas Rosicky, as well as Mathieu Flamini. Three players that you can argue uh, don't deserve a new contract because they're very injury-prone, but uh, I think it, they, even though they've signed a quality player in Shaka. I think it still leaves them a little uh, slight in that holding midfielder, defensive midfielder position. Yeah, I agree that uh, all around. Now, I think one thing that you lose out on when you lose Arteta, Rizikian, uh well, more of those two than Flemini, uh, is a little bit of leadership uh, mm. with this club. But you don't necessarily want to pay top dollar for leadership when the physical element isn't there. Um so I think in terms of, of actual play, uh, this is a great move. Um, I think he's going to, Zach's going to bring uh, an added element to this uh, to central midfield um, playing. I guess if Wenger still sticks with kind of that um, center midfield pairing there, uh, I think he'll fit in just very nicely. Um, but th- this brings up a bigger question about Arsenal that I think has to be asked every year. At, at least in recent years, it seems like Arsenal Uh-oh, will go out. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Again, come on. The, the season hasn't even started. Come on, Robert. <laughs> oh, no, no. I won't be too, too negative yet. Um, right. <laughs> but but no, I think this brings up an interesting point where in the past couple of years, um, you know, Arsenal is willing to go in for one, maybe two yep. top dollar signings and then fills in the rest with um, some some bargains. And you've already started seeing some of that in, uh, play out in the press a little bit where you have Ezekiel come out and say, you know, we, we like this squad that we have. Um, and Wenger come out and say, well, we, you know, we've got the money to spend. And uh, so the interesting question to, to follow up with that is, is that, you know, yes, Zach is a great I think he'll be great for this club. I think he'll be, you know, makes for some uh Great pairings in the midfield, but um, is he going to be the top dollar signing this offseason? And if so, or the transfer window, excuse me. Uh, and uh, if so, uh, what does that mean for Arsenal? So mm. good, good, good first step. Um, but I think there has to be a couple of other steps, including maybe more of a, a, a traditional defensive midfielder, you know, f- another forward, and, and definitely another center back. I'm glad you said that, Robert, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you on this because I, I feel as though. Arsenal fans do not appreciate that central that holding midfielder role, uh, and I'll tell you why. So, so when Spurs bought Wanyama on the cheap for fifteen million, which is or thirteen million, which is when you're talking about the money that's being thrown around these days, that crazy. is crazy cheap. I do not understand why Arsenal do not understand why Arsenal did not try for Victor Wanyama. He's been linked to them before. He's exactly the kind of player that they need. Somebody who's combative, somebody who will um, might not give you a fifty-yard pass, but he'll give you the tackles, the work rate, uh, the, the kind of positions that that Arsenal really need. I mean, someone like uh, someone like Gilberto Silva. Arsenal fans salivate on the memories of Gilberto Silva, but Gil- Gilberto Silva wasn't amazing because of his passing. It was his work rate. It was his leadership. So. I don't understand why they wouldn't move for someone like Wanyama. 
Yeah, you know, maybe it's just I'm not that bright of an Arsenal fan. That's a distinct possibility. <laughs> but um, it, it's it's you know I, I think it's it could be a couple of things. I think first of all is that may, the the market. Well, it's not even the market as you mentioned for what yeah. Wanyama went for. But I think Arsenal's brain trust has this love has this love of going for the the um, uncover uncovering that diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're willing to go out and get those technically proficient players, the Ozils, Zakas, and people like that, for that that more top dollar. But even though you could argue they even get them at a slight discount, but for someone who's a little less uh, technically skilled, I don't think they want to pay you know a ton of money, or even you know even really go in and spend a lot of money on that. Uh, the closest thing they have now is Coquelin, who they developed for the most part, you know, recently internally. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't seem like they want to get those gritty players. I mean, you could probably argue the same thing about uh, center back, although not as much um, with uh, you know what they have there. But still, you're, they're not t- playing top, paying top dollar for these less technically proficient players. And I think that's a that's a mentality and that's a tactical tactical decision the club has made that, as we've seen play out on the field, has hurt them at times, especially when. Arsenal will bunker down a little bit more, play a little bit more um, counterattacking than they had in the past against some of the bigger clubs. So, um, yeah, this is a, you know, we'll see what they do in, in this uh, transfer window, but I, I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a little bit more of the same. So hopefully they buy a lot of skilled players to make up for it. <laughs> With Burnley, there, there isn't a lot to discuss, guys. Uh, Johan Berg Goodmanson is probably the, the, the big signing they've made. Uh, our listeners will know or at least recognize him now. He, he started uh, his career in Iceland, moved to Chelsea, uh, most recently at Charlton Athletic and just signed for Burnley. He, he's one of the players that started every game for the Icelandic national team this Euro. So uh, it'll be good to see him playing as a winger uh, at Burnley. Uh, and the most important exit from that club uh, is Joey Barton, mostly because uh, we won't get to see his tweets about Burnley. So that's really the <laughs> only thing to say there. Gabe, let's talk about Chelsea. The biggest incoming, yeah. uh, I guess, person here is Antonio Conte, coming on the back of an exceptional uh, performance with the Italian team. You know, he he, he made that team overachieve. Uh, the question I have, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about it all season, but really quickly, at this point, do you think that with Conte, it's going to be one of those things that he completely rearranges the squad? Or are we going to see a slow buildup from the, you know, maybe from the ground up? Because his tactical system is very complicated and requires a mm. lot, a lot of uh, work on the training pitch. Yeah, Mu- much I, I like Klopp, great... actually, much like Klopp. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I think it's a, it's a great, it's a great question, um, and it's one that that certainly I, I think that the jury is going to be out on. I, I think there's certainly some things that we can look for uh, as indications. I mean, the to begin, let, let's you know, let's let's start off by by noting that it, I, I don't think that what Conte is going to be bringing into this is going to be a drastic departure from what Jose Mourinho was lining up in seasons past and the way the team was built. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's not like it's going from a uh, tiki-taka possession-based style, uh, you know, to then a more defensively solid counterattacking team, right? So there, there's right. some there's some parallels already there. So I, you know, I think that that certainly is an advantage that Conte can have going into it. Uh, one of the the other things that I think is is important to kind of factor in um, is just the way that uh, you know, looking at, at Conte in the past with with Juventus. Uh, we were so commonly seeing then a, a three center back setup, um, and I think that's going to be where I'm curious the most. It could 
uh, definitely take advantage of, of some players that are even coming back. One of them coming back on loan uh, or from loan then would be uh, Juan Cuadrado, uh, which I can see really doing well in, in a wing-back type position than if you did have a three-center-back setup. But the way that Chelsea has, has handled their transfer market thus far, um, you know, haven't seen a whole bunch of, of center-backs you know, being linked with it. I'm not sure if they would have enough depth here uh, looking at a, a very old John Terry um, you know, a can somewhat be inconsistent Gary Cahill. Uh, you've got Kurt Zuma coming back then from an injury, a, a pretty significant injury. You're going to have to kind of see uh, how he how he does on that. So uh, the signs right now don't necessarily point to Conte doing a three-center-back system because I just don't see the depth there. Uh, and I think the other interesting thing is uh, that there's going to be some parallels. Uh, you have to, when you're talking about Chelsea's uh, off-season and, and transfer dealings, you have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is their their loan system. Hmm. as well uh so many players out in loan uh to, to different countries uh you have such an influx right now of people who spent then this past season uh out on loan coming back uh, i mean the likes of christian atsu uh marco van ginkel uh i mean there's some players that that have ha- have done well but just haven't really been able to, to get that chance uh within the chelsea setup uh it's interesting if, if there's if there's one other team um, that is is known for their their loan system and, and loaning out about as many players as Chelsea. It was Juventus. Mm. So I, I think that you, know, you have that with Conte coming in. He's very, very used to that idea of having players develop uh, in, in other countries, which is a departure from, from some managers. Um, you were talking about Klopp before, who likes to, to keep players in-house, some of the young uh, academy players. So I, I don't think there's uh, that many... Uh, drastic, you know, changes then that Conte is going to come in. He's obviously going to put his own fingerprint uh, on this team, and I think it's going to be great in terms of some of his man management that might have been some of the weaknesses then with Mourinho uh, when you get into a couple seasons with the same same squad. So I think you're definitely going to see an uptick. Uh, but thus far, just with the the transfer dealings, uh, I, I mean, I think Conte is a is a great signing. Uh, Nicola Conte then from Leicester City, and I'm a big fan of uh, of Michi Barashui uh, as well. Uh, coming over from Marseille that I think is going to give, give him some bites uh, in attack uh, and uh, could definitely be a, a great striker for them in, in a couple of years. Yeah, I noticed that you didn't mention Matt Miazga. Shame on you when you were talking about the, the back three. How uh, dare th- you. Th- you, you? There you go. Shun, shun me all you like. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, Robert uh, along with the, the brilliant signing, which is N'Golo, this is really is the season for two Contes at Chelsea. N'Golo Conte yeah. signing, I, I think I... I see him and Fabregas becoming arguably the best center midfield duo in Premier League uh, this season. Um, th- I think there's a lot of balance there. But there's, they're also being linked with, uh, with an exit for Diego Costa and the possible signing of about 60, 70 million uh, of uh, uh, Romeo Lukaku. So your thoughts on those players? Yeah, I mean, Lukaku is a tant- tantalizing talent. Uh, I think that it certainly makes sense for Chelsea to, to dip their toe in there and see what they can get out of, get for, or pay for him. Um, I, I think your thought on the N'Golo Conte Fabregas partnership is, is very intriguing. I think that will have more to see what Fabregas does um, after a couple of down seasons. Uh, I, I think Conte will be excel in this system. And I think Fabregas could if, if, uh, Physically, he's still uh, the player he was a few years ago. So um, I think that, but this, I'm going to kind of piggyback off of Gabe's point because I think he made them very well. Um, What we'll see over this transfer window and maybe the January one is um, Antonio Conte kind of adjust his tactics to some of the players he has. Obviously, he's made Mm. some signings. He'll continue to make some signings, Lukaku possibly. 
But um, what you what you've seen in his past in Italy uh, is adjusting initially to what he has, and then tinkering in a short time period, a transfer window or two, to put a system in place. So I think you know I wouldn't be surprised to see Lukaku come in. I'd ca- Diego Costa going out wouldn't surprise me either. I know they're saying nice things right now, but mm-hmm. I mean that's almost an untenable situation um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. But um, I think you'll still you'll see a couple more signings, maybe one or two more big signings. You'll see a Chelsea team system that kind of adjusts to what he has, and then when we're talking at this point next year, we'll start to see what his system for Chelsea, the vision for Chelsea, becoming realized uh, through his signings. Absolutely. So before we go to Crystal Palace, let me tell our listeners about our sponsor, SeatGeek. Uh, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deals for that game or that show you really want to go to, and none of those older tickets sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. And it's the same as my co-host. I know my buddy Gabe uh, looked for tickets for the St. Louis game against Roma on August 1st or 2nd, Gabe? Uh, August 1st. August 1st in St. Louis. So I know he used the SeatGeek app. And, and Robert, why don't you tell us about your recent experience with SeatGeek? Yeah, unfortunately, none of the really cool international competitions are coming to D.C. for a number of reasons that aggravate me, but I am usually Mm -hmm. in the market for baseball tickets, and recently I was able to take my daughter to her first Baltimore Orioles game thanks to SeatGeek. I got great seats in left field uh, using the app, and it couldn't have been easier to uh, purchase the tickets and then use them to get into the uh, stadium all through the app. Uh, Very seamless process and plenty of emails from SeatGeek to explain to me what was going on. So, uh, convert definitely with my sports tickets. Yeah, so you can see that SeatGeek is uh, something that you should be downloading. And best of all, our listeners, World Soccer Talk listeners, get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, step one, you download the SeatGeek app. Step two, you go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Step three, you enter promo code WSTPOD. And step four, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So go ahead and download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WSTPOD today. Let's go back to the conversation here with Crystal Palace. I think they've had a good transfer summer so far, uh, Gabers. Uh, They've signed Andrews Townsend from Newcastle, Mm -hmm. a player that you and I have talked about many times. Quality player, bit bit inconsistent, but I think he fits the Crystal Palace mold of tricky wingers. Uh, we know they have Zaha, Bolasi, players of that ilk. Steven Menanda, the goalkeeper, I think they're going to get rid of one of either Speroni or Wayne Hennessy because that's the third goalkeeper. James Tompkins, Tompkins has signed from West Ham United. Uh, but the big talking point, Gabe, other than those guys, is the fact that they've let go of uh, Adebayor, Shamak, and Dwight Gale, uh, all in the same transfer window, which means they are really struggling for strikers up top. Andros Townsend will not play as a striker, and they'll be linked to Berahino. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting, um, you know, in terms of the summer so far for for Crystal Palace and and um, you know Alan Pardew there. Um, I, I think 
that the uh, the Steve uh, Mandanda signing is uh, is an excellent signing. Um, you know, there, there was some question marks there with with Hennessy uh, inconsistencies through the course of the season. Uh, I think Mandanda not only then in terms of his presence uh, between the two sticks, um, uh, just in terms of his his abilities as a goalkeeper, uh, also an excellent leader has been a a, a captain for Marseille, uh, and, and you know again the the, the leader out of the back. Uh, for uh, for for several years now, so certainly will bring that kind of experience and expertise uh, to Crystal Palace. Uh, I think that's definitely a, a, a great signing uh, by Crystal Palace then to solidify a little bit more of the back line. Uh, but yeah, where do the goals come from? I, I think is 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 really going to be the, um, the the interesting question here. I, I, the way. The way that Crystal Palace is setting up, uh, um, I mean, they have so much depth at the wing position. Uh, already mentioned there, you know, Townsend coming in, uh, Zaha. Uh, don't forget they have uh, Jason Punchin um, as well already on the squad. Uh, Bakari Sako is is a decent uh, player coming in then for them. That's going to, again, um, there are a lot of options that, that Purdue now has uh, at the wing area with, with uh, obviously, Belasi included. I don't see really, you know, Belasi converting into kind of a central striker, or if Pardew does that, uh, I think that would be a uh, an attempt that's going to have um, some uh, some issues there. Uh, so you really do have to look at it. I mean, I, I don't see Connor Wickham or, or Fraser Campbell uh, being the the answer for um, you know for the long term through the season. Uh, so you have you have heard a couple names then linked with uh, with Crystal Palace. Uh, there was an initial bid then uh, for uh, Christian Benteke uh, that uh, that. That uh, Crystal Palace put in, uh, Liverpool rejected it, trying to get then close to the same amount of money uh, as what they uh, gave then Aston Villa the season before, which is being rumored around 32 million. Uh, and it was it was discussed that Crystal Palace threw in an initial bit of 27 million. So if there's a five million gap, and again it, it comes to where the striker options start becoming limited. Uh, I would not be surprised to see Crystal Palace going back for that, especially again with the way that they're setting up um, a, a a tall. Uh, uh, physical, imposing striker than in the box uh, could be their their best fit. Uh, but, but as you had noted, then in, in your um, you know kind of um, uh, pre speech there before before going to me, uh, the other big big name that has been mentioned is Berahino, which uh, I'm not sure how many transfer windows we're going to go through to where <laughs> Berahino uh, is just kind of sitting there, just what? waiting for anyone to come in for him at this point in time. How, and and when you say sitting there, you mean in his car outside the training ground, <laughs> literally, where, literally yeah, driving literally. around yeah. England, just yeah. trying to get into somebody's park for a medical. <laughs> Uh, it's it, it's been an it's been an interesting story. I, I I really start. I'm feeling pretty pretty bad for him uh, at this point in time. I think that he probably did have some things that were probably not ideal in, in terms of how to deal with your current team and 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 you know taking on the and you know admiration of some others and, and looking into that. I think he's paid his dues. He's he's pretty much been sent you know to the bench. Uh, through this past season has obviously really, you know, really decreased his his value uh, through there. I'm not sure if I see the wisdom in what West Brom's been, been how they've been handling uh, mm-hmm. this whole entire saga. Uh, if you're not going to play the player, uh, my some kind of money he did have some you know some 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 great value associated with him uh like i said i think that's uh that's definitely been decreasing uh as he's been sitting on the bench but that could be another interesting fit uh for for crystal Palace point but you have to say that uh with the the options they have right now the uh the sole focus for the, for the remaining then transfer window has to be at that striker position definitely robert let's talk about everton they haven't really signed too many players uh, martin stecklenberg uh, from fulham is obviously the the focus here since uh t- with timmy howard having gone to Colorado Rapids, they were always going to sign a new goalkeeper. But the big thing to talk about, in my opinion, is Ronald Koeman. Um, 
take takes over for, uh, leaves Southampton to take over from the vacant job that Martinez was fired from. Um, an excellent manager, and this is a real test because, in some ways, this club has the potential uh, to to make an impact in the Premier League. They have some very good players. And do you think Ronald Koeman is a manager capable of taking them to the heights that maybe they they deserve? I think. Yeah, you know, I think it's a. I think one thing that's it's curious to see with new managers as they come in is how many changes they make. Mm. Um, I, I think the the stereotype is a new manager comes in, cleans house, brings in a whole bunch of new players. Uh, I don't know if we're seeing that as much in recent transfer windows, but I also wonder if that's a sign that, as you kind of alluded to, uh, Ronald Koeman thinks that this. Uh, Everton club is in pretty good shape the way it is. Uh, now there's obviously some players that might be leaving uh, that might get poached, but um, as it's constructed, um, is this the kind of team that he can use uh, to advance up the table? And, you know, I, I think for the past few years, we've talked about the potential of Everton, some of the players they've had um, and some of the, uh, the potential. And, and yeah, I, I think that what we could be seeing is um, the fact that he's giving almost an endorsement by bringing in so few players mm -hmm. so far. Now, Stecklenburg, I want to say, great. I think that's a very good signing. I think that he's mm. uh, a good keeper that needs to, I know, obviously, uh, not necessarily uh, starting with his team, but uh, uh, could challenge for starter minutes, no doubt about that. But the other side is maybe Everton doesn't have any money to spend and doesn't want to spend the money. Uh, we're back to that situation. So right. I think it'll be curious to see how the rest of this transfer window plays out to see which of those two realities, or if there's a third reality that comes uh, comes to play? Yeah. Well, and, ahead, and that's a and that's an interesting point too. Uh, um, you know, with that because the, the, you know all the talk then uh, on the other side of, of Merseyside uh, has been um, uh, Everton fans getting excited with uh, they actually have new ownership or at least a new majority shareholder. Right. Uh, so Farhad uh, Mashiri came in, uh, and there was quite a bit of discussions of, of some money being thrown. I mean, thus far, you know, who knows in terms of paper talk? Uh, I mean, they've they've been um, uh, linked with with several different players, uh, decent price tags. Um, uh, uh, Axel Witzel, then uh, playing in Russia currently, uh, has been one of the main players that I, I've heard, you know, uh, being linked with Everton uh, quite a bit through this window. Uh, it, it may even be to where it's it's not necessarily looking at then the the incomings that's the main focus but but probably the outgoings mm -hmm. as we already kind of talked about with uh, Lukaku uh, being one mentioned and of course then John Stones is probably the other player then yeah. um, besides Barkley that has significant uh, you know transfer value uh, that for Everton if, if, if they were to be able to keep a hold of all three of those players um, that might be then uh, you know the, the biggest success then that, that Coleman could have uh, going into this uh, this uh, the beginning of this new season. Yeah, interestingly, we're, we're basically officially seeing the end of the da David Moyes era because some of the stalwarts from his time, Stephen Pienaar, Leon Osman, Tony Hibbert, uh, and Tim Howard have left all left the club in the same transfer window. Um, I think maybe their left back is probably the only one that has survived that, that era where they were doing pretty well. Let's talk about Hull City. Uh, Robert, I'll come back to you here. Um with Hull City, the, the big talking point, I think, are uh, are the is the manager. Um, uh, excuse me, is uh, is the fact that they um, have just lost their manager. In, 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 <laughs> what in, manager? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, they, that they don't have a manager. Uh, and for now, from what I understand, Mike Phelan is running things at the club. Uh, Manchester United assist ex assistant uh, manager at Manchester United, uh, and the fans are up in arms in with the fact that Steve Bruce has left the club. There has been widespread uh, mistrust of the Alam brothers' ownership. 
Um, I was just watching video of that at, at a friendly that they just played. So this is about the worst start to being promoted as, as a club could really have. Yeah, absolutely. You're, usually your manager doesn't walk off the job for no reason. Uh, you know, I, I joked with someone, I joked actually with Cardiff on Twitter. It's like, well, I Bruce will be the surprise hire for the England manager job. And then when that didn't come to fruition, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it just adds to this mystery. Um, I was kidding, by the way. And yeah, I know right. he wasn't going to be hired by England. Um, right. But uh, no, I mean, really, it's, it's going to be hard to see uh, what composition this team takes. Uh, when you're promoted, usually the, the goal is to spend the money you had and you've made with the, the promotion to, to shore up some places to, to remain um, in the Premier League. And obviously you can do that with a caretaker manager, uh, you know, this the the weaknesses for some of this for the club is is fairly apparent. Um, you know, there's some there's some players that they could probably bring on to uh, store up things. Probably striker would be a good place to start. But um, you know, your manager even in this era of kind of uh, where the manager is no longer be all and end all um, is still kind of the influence of how this team's going to play. And when you have a club that uh, needs some. Uh, guidance in terms of structure, how they're going to survive, you know, how they're going to stay up kind of thing. Um, you've got, you know, less than a month until the season starts and or maybe right, right around a month until the season starts and uh, you don't have that that strategic vision in place. So I think this is very worrying for Hull City. If you're a Hull mm -hmm. City fan, I'd be very concerned. Uh, but you know what? Maybe they'll, they'll prove us all wrong, sign a whole bunch of really good players, stay up and, and continue to build. But uh, they, I, they would behoove them to make a good hire quickly, even if it's... Right keep it failing, but they, they should really be uh, finishing that, this up pretty quickly if they want to keep the fans on their side. Yeah. Gabe, some of the players that they could move for is I just went through the, the list of available players on a free transfer along with people like Call Ture. There's some, there's some quality there. Dimitar Berbatov is available for a free transfer. Uh, Thomas Rosicki, as we mentioned, Kevin Prince Boateng, Flamini Adebayor. I mean, if Hull City moves for at least one or two of those players... I mean, they could be doing a lot worse than some of those players. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and at this point in time, um, you know, I, I think with the the influx of, of money, uh, all the TV deals and everything like that that's coming to the Premier League, um, you know, you have to you have to keep uh, on pace. Then, you know, with the the clubs around you uh, that you know are essentially going to be fighting for that spot, Hull City has to know that right now they're going to be. Uh, having to fight that the very best then to stay above the relegation zone going into the season. That's going to be uh, the primary objective, especially with uh, with the kind of, of transition they're doing right now mm -hmm. uh, in the manager position. Uh, so looking at that, uh, they've got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, I think that their their squad, uh, as it currently is, is is pretty light. Um, they definitely have some some holes then through through the the squad. I think specifically uh, have to look then at the. the striker position uh for sure uh i think that um you know uh, abel hernandez was was a player that i thought uh from from uruguay uh had some some real potential uh he's now 25 years of 25 years of age hasn't really uh come through uh in the way that some people were were uh hoping or expecting uh to and and outside of him there, there really isn't much presence mm -hmm. uh for hall city in the striker position so that has to be a, a big area of concern i think for the most part that they're pretty solid uh in, in midfield uh i mean the likes then of of tom huddlestone jake livermore um uh el mohammedi uh and uh and robert snodgrass uh, i think that's something to build with uh, and then you look then at their their defense uh, they've got then a, a great young player and Andrew Robertson at left back. 
Um, uh, you got then a uh, some some nice experience there with Michael Dawson, uh, but that center back position is another one that that looks pretty glaring to me. Uh, so yeah, Hull City, Hull City, if they're not uh, if they're not careful, um, they can they can find themselves then uh, as as one of the uh, the early season uh, predictions for uh, for going back down again, uh, and and could definitely uh, benefit from making a couple. Uh, free transfers just to get some um, some greater depth and uh, and some people with some Premier League experience uh, into the squad. Yeah, as you were rattling off those names, Gabe, I was struck by the fact that a lot of those players were playing at Hull City two seasons ago when they were in the Premier League mm-hmm. before they went down. So I think one of the the great successes of of uh, Steve Bruce's era was convincing those players to stay and convincing them to fight. Uh, and it's it makes me even more sad about the fact that he has uh, had to walk away from the club. Uh, reportedly because of uh, issues with uh, transfer spending. Gabe, yeah. uh, we are going to skip Leicester City because we talked about them last week and there have not been any real signings since then. Let's talk about your beloved Liverpool. Um, since last week where we talked about Mane, or where Karthik and I talked about Mane and uh, um, and uh, Joel Matip and etc., we uh, Liverpool signed uh, Ragnar Klavan as well as uh, Wijnaldum. So talk to me about how you see those two players uh, fitting into the Liverpool system, as well as an overarching theme, which I think should be appreciated, which is that uh, while the bigger clubs, not, well, that's un- very unfair. Uh, while the uh, clubs that are, <laughs> there might have been a jab in there, gave an accidental jab. Maybe, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while, uh, while other clubs are spending a lot more money, uh, Liverpool's manager is getting players that he thinks fits his uh, team mentality. Yeah, yeah, you know it's it's just it's just a it's a different it's a different time now with uh, you know the the being able to associate uh, kind of a fair market value on players with this influx of cash. Uh, it's not that Liverpool isn't spending money. I mean, you have then the likes of Sadio Mane, then you know for you know thirty million plus uh, for Wijnaldum, then for for twenty five million plus. It's just that uh, probably a couple seasons ago you you would you would think or associate then those type of players uh, with maybe then price tags in in the teens. Um, you know, not then um, you know twenty five to, to thirty five million. So it's just a different different. different era in terms of the the transfer spending uh i you know as a liverpool fan i I am i am pretty pretty happy with with some of the dealings again it's not going to have some of that sexy appeal uh that i think some other clubs are are doing with likes of you know gundigan coming in or nabramovich um some of those players then that just have uh world world around appeal um uh some of the players though i think are fitting in a specific type of setup then that jurgen klopp wants uh this was a squad that was really lacking uh, I, I think a couple things. One being midfield goals, and, and you have then the likes of uh, Sadio Mane and um, and Wijnaldum. Uh, we're both two players. Then um, ten plus goals. Uh, we're in the the top six then of uh, goals then coming from midfielders uh, in the EPL last season. Uh, so you're adding goals in there. Uh, you also then had a team that really didn't have much pace uh, and didn't have much power. Uh, coming from those midfield areas as well, and I think that's getting addressed uh, again in, in terms of the, some of the kind of physical presence, um, whether it be then for set pieces uh, and the likes then of, of bringing in a player like Joel Matip then, um, who definitely uh, brings in a physical presence there inside the box uh, for those kind of situations, and then uh, addressing then uh, some of the experience in the back line, which 
you know, certainly we're, when we're looking at last season and you're looking at the likes of Colotore, um, you know, this was not the same player uh, that was, uh, you know, the exceptional defender for, for Arsenal. Um, this was a, a player who, uh, you know, knew, knew tactically where he needed to be, uh, was great in his positioning. Uh, certainly, though, his, his most athletic years were behind him. Uh, but, uh, but him moving on, I think you definitely had a void in that kind of defensive experience and just someone who can come in uh, and bring some, some presence there. I think that the, the Rogner-Clavin uh, move was specifically for that. Also have a, a little bit extra benefit that uh, Clavin then is uh, also used to playing left back. So you get a little bit uh, of uh, kind of uh, some, some depth in that position. Uh, I think overall, when I'm looking at Liverpool's window thus far, uh, again, I think it's it's addressing the, the areas that, that Klopp wanted. Um, again, also noting goalkeeper there um, with um, with Loris Karius that we haven't mentioned before. But I think probably the biggest thing that you're still going to look for over the next then, uh, you know, month and a week uh, is going to be fullback depth. Uh, with the, the talks then, uh, of um, I heard like, like, Moreno yeah. didn't have a good game again. <laughs> Mourinho, Mourinho, yeah, Mourinho. There's definitely a lot of Liverpool fans who who are already on the outs with Mourinho. I, I personally, I think that uh, still too he's still, still too young of a player to be completely discarding. Uh, and uh, and and I think he's got some some things that that add to, to Liverpool's squad. Uh, just certainly need to work on defense. But Flanagan's rumored to be uh, John Flanagan's rumored to be then on loan uh, or looking at an on loan. He didn't even travel. Uh, with the squad to to the U.S. Uh, for the uh, international uh, Guinness uh, Champions Cup, um, but he's being rumored then for a loan with Burnley, uh, and then Brad Smith, which is surprising here. Uh, there's talks of a six million dollar move uh, from AFC Bournemouth then uh, for uh, for Brad Smith, which is shocking in terms of that amount of money. That's way more money mm-hmm. than I would have expected uh, for for Brad Smith. So if if that does take place, Liverpool literally has no depth at the fullback position. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they go back for a, a player both at right back and left back uh, before the uh, the season begins. So Robert, while Gabe. Uh, cries over the loss of Adam Bogdan moving to Wigan. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about Man City. My ginger, my your ginger, your ginger is gone. Your ginger brother has left you, game. Uh, Robert, let's talk about Man City. They have uh, arguably, in well, in my opinion, and for other people's, arguably the best manager in the world now in Pep Guardiola. But his his tactical system is going to take time to build into that team. Uh, but they have signed one of the best players in the world in Ilke Gundogan, a player that can be a bit injury prone, but when he is fit, he is absolutely an incredible player in his position. So, uh, talk to me about what you see what Pep Guardiola is doing to build this team so far. Um, yeah, first of all, I mean, I can't believe you slighted Bruce Arena when you're talking about best manager oh, that's in the true, world. My bad, my we'll bad. let that slide. Yeah, we'll yeah. Let, no, it's okay. It's okay. Bruce listens to the podcast <laughs> fairly often. So. <laughs> we're, we're focusing on, we're focusing on Europe today. Um, yeah. no, I, I think that, um, I think this is another similar situation where, um, you had a very talented squad coming in and a, and a, a very good, obviously, uh, I agree with you, probably the best manager, in the world right now, who's going to be implementing a system that uh, relies on a smart physical pl- or you know smart um, smart play? Uh, Gungudin is, I think, like you said, a perfect fit. Uh, I think you can get away with being a little bit of injury prone um, with a team like Man- a club like Manchester City who has depth, but I don't think you can uh, overlook you know the skill and the ability to to um, uh, you know that uh, what's the word I'm looking for. The ability to come up in big situations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's a, a, you know, that that it factor that I think he has and has shown um, at the club level, and I think increasingly will for 
on the international level. So I think well, it's a good th- signing. Speaking of the it factor, what do you think is going to happen with Yaya Toure? Um, you know, I, I that's a good question. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'll be honest. I don't know. Uh, I think he's in his spurts when he shows that he wants to play and that he yeah. wants to be world class. I mean, you, you can't discard that for, um, you know, you, you can't discard that. I think what you have to do, and I'm, I'm acting like I'm the best manager in the world here. I think you have to give him, <laughs> you know, give, push him, give him some competition. And I think uh, Guardiola is going to do that, bring in some players and, and rotate him uh, in this squad and see how he responds. And if he uh, turns off, like I think he probably will. Um, then you you ship him off to and make a little bit of money on the transfer. But um, mm-hmm. I think he's he's good enough that you need to at least see if this managerial change will do him some good. Um, and uh, you know Manchester City has the ability to bring in they have the resources to pay players to to challenge you know top flight yeah. top wage players so they can do that. But um, but no, I think this will be a good opportunity. I think Pep Guardiola is going to sit there and and ha- he has the resources as he has everywhere else to bring in some players to challenge some positions. Um, and see what he's got uh, as he begins to implement kind of his system uh, with Manchester City. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me because at the start of the summer, two players that I thought would definitely be leaving their clubs based on the managerial hires at their clubs were Toure at City as well as Mata at United. And now it seems like both those players are going to start their seasons with their respective clubs, which is interesting. Gabe, talk to me about a player that Man City is being linked to very heavily uh, is John Stones. Somehow, Gabe, somehow, even though he had a very poor season, his transfer value actually went up. And he's <laughs> be, and the, the rumored price now is somewhere 55, 58 million, which is insane. Uh, but looking past the price itself, do you think John Stones will fill in uh, possibly the loss of the, the con- imperially injured Perennially injured uh, Vincent Company and some of the other defensive issues at Man City. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it is called silly season for a reason, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I think. Uh, yeah, it, 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 certainly you cannot. You cannot um, uh, overlook uh, John Stones. And I'm, I'm curious in terms of with last season, you know, looking at it and trying to identify uh, why he may have have fallen back a little bit. Um, uh, you know, one thing that you can easily go to is, is is wondering if maybe the hype around it, kind of the 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 talk of a potential move out at that point in time, it was it was strongly linked with Chelsea. Uh, if that might have gotten his head early on, uh, and then just some you know some some injuries there at some points in the course of the season, just never seemed like he really kicked on uh, through the course of last season. Um, you know, going into that, that that's obviously got to be something that you got to think about and factor in. Now, with the the kind of depth that that Man City has at the center back position. Uh, it would certainly be something to where he doesn't have to be then the savior, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in, in that kind of squad. So uh, that could be quite relieving uh, for him, and it could be an opportunity for him um, to to really grow under you know an, an excellent manager and, and Pep Guardiola. I don't think there's going to be too many players uh, who would turn down uh, that opportunity. So I, I think uh, when you when you look at that and you factor that all in. I think there's definitely, um, you know, a, a very good shot that it could happen. You know, Pep loves his ball playing uh, defenders. Uh, John Stones, right now at, at this point in time in his career, uh, definitely has some great attributes then on the ball uh, to where I think he could he could bring that, um, you know, to to the lineup. I, I, I still also though think that you know as far as 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 Gordel is concerned, uh, you, you certainly have to to be a little bit concerned about Vince Company um, and, and the constant injuries. Uh, that that take place for him, uh, but in, in terms of the the squad as a whole, 
you know, there's still some some great options there. I mean, Nicholas Otamendi, uh, you know, Mangala. I think there's still some players, some some yeah. high caliber players that are in there. Uh, that if if I was if I was Pep, you know, I wouldn't completely discard. Uh, and then as a as a Belgian fan, um, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of of Jason Denier. Uh, who was uh, out on loan last season and then to uh, Galatasaray? Uh, did did get then a lot of starts uh, there. I, I'm curious to see what Pep does with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jason Denier could be then uh, that great kind of youth option at 21 years old that he can really kind of help mold and, and build with. So there might not be a need then to to, to go and splash the cash uh, for John Stones when maybe some other positions, uh, maybe mainly in the midfield area, um, are a little bit more apparent uh, for for Man City at this point. Is it Denier? I always thought it was Denier. Or was I just trying to sound cool? And it's actually I think, I think you were just trying to sound cool. That sounds like me. I fail miserably <laughs> at that. That's although, shock- although, although it never come to me, though, for player for pronunciations. For pronunciations. That's true. <laughs> probably, I have learned it's this. Probably, I'll, Amer- I'll Americanize any name at this point. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about Man United, Robert. Um, club that gave support. Uh, the big talking point, of course, is <laughs> don't we all? Yeah, is is the manager Jose Mourinho uh, takes over after uh, Louis Van Gaal was uh, was let go, was fired, uh, and so far, and he outlined four players that he wanted in four positions. Successfully signed Eric Bailly from Villarreal, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you might have heard of him, as well as Henrik Mkhitaryan from. Uh, Borussia Dortmund. So uh, three out of four signings have been made. Uh, and the first thing I want to ask Robert really quickly is, um, I mean, I, I've obviously got the chance, had the chance to watch the preseason games, uh, but I want to know what you think about how Ibra and Rooney will fit into the system, because somehow it seems to me that one out of the three of Ibra, actually one out of the uh, two out of the four of Ibra, Rooney, Mata and Rashford could play at any given time, and there are going to be two of them that are constantly going to be left out. Yeah, it's it's a, it's scary options. I think you're not going to see much from Slatan change. I think it's more of how does Rooney adjust to mm. the new manager, to yeah. his new, to his aging, and to his new role. So I think your my quick answer is it's going to be up to Rooney to see how he adjusts uh, rather than the new guy coming in. Yeah, he he'll probably Gabe be in that position just behind the striker Rooney because in Mourinho's uh, press conferences he mm-hmm. basically just outlined the fact that he doesn't see Rooney as a holding midfielder and he doesn't really see him as the main striker. So, in other words, his position is going to be probably just behind the striker. And I worry if that striker is Ibra because between Rooney and Ibra, I feel like there isn't a lot of mobility. So yeah. I'd like to see Rooney maybe match up uh, with uh, with someone like Rashford on on the regs. So, but the big talking point, Gabe, is that United is being linked with a world record breaking move for Paul Pogba, and. Obviously, the the amount of money being thrown around is mad. I mean, think about the number of lives you could change with a third of that money. So, you know, all of that is absolutely accurate. And it's crazy that so much money is in football now. But beyond that obvious uh, talking point, uh, do you see? Do you think Pogba will actually make a big enough impact at, at Man United? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think... You know, Paul Pogba is is a midfielder that I, I think um, you know you could you could maybe debate about 
Real Madrid or, or, or Barcelona in terms of week in, week out. But I think any other club, you can easily see him walk straight into midfield. So there, there's no question that that Paul Pogba would add some talent uh, to, to any squad. Um, whether or not the, the ends justify the means is a, is a completely different different topic, right? I mean, in terms of the amount of money that we splashed there. Uh, and, and this is something that I, I thought we saw with United last season. Now, I don't know if... That there really is like you know a, a certain finite amount of money that can be spent and and talking about you know putting money in in, in one bucket and kind of taking it out of the other, uh, but you know it, it seemed like you know last year even or at least in the past couple seasons United's really gone for those. Those 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 big name type signings, uh, the likes of a Falcao, the likes of an you know an Angel Di, Di Maria, um, bringing that kind I, of I, I don't know either. Of those players, so. <laughs> bringing that kind of big name presence uh, and, and seeing it to where it was a position of need, uh, but maybe not necessarily the best fit uh, for for how they were going to implement and they were going to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you just you had then you know a name that you could throw back on, on the back of jerseys. It had that market appeal. Uh, that it was going to be, you know, a great situation for all. Well, you know, it, it necessarily wasn't. Obviously, we saw with, with those two. Now, I think this is going to be far different from Pogba uh, in this case. But I, I think that something to be said is is that you have to be a little bit weary uh, with making some of these big name signings and not necessarily be a big fit. And you almost now have just a a, a team of individuals rather than a a full team that complements each other. Um, like I said, all, all that said, I think the biggest thing is with Pogba is is how you play him. Um, we saw with France uh, here in the Euros. I don't think that, especially late on in the tournament there, that you saw then uh, Deschamps uh, playing um, uh, Pogba in, in a position then you're going to get yeah. the most out of him. And he was playing very far back, uh, and I don't think that you really were able to see his skill set then on the attacking end um, like you would. So, uh, you know, the question is really going to become how Mourinho plays. Uh, Pogba, uh, if he's going to give him kind of the free license, uh, and then at that point in time, you know, if, if you have, I, I think some some options as United does to have someone like either Carrick or Schneiderlin, uh, really kind of playing then more of that holding role, uh, giving then Pogba free right free license to 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 to, to roam around uh, and impact the, the the field of play. Uh, yeah. I, I think it, it can work out, you know, quite well for United. So we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, but that is certainly a, an, an awful lot of money, and uh, you have to you have to wonder if there's maybe some some other uh, areas then in United's squad uh, that that might need addressing there with uh, with probably little little bit of resources then to be able to put towards that uh, for the remaining window. Mm-hmm. And can I just jump in with one thing that's impacting that might impact this move is is the rumored uh, acquisition of. Gonzalo Higuain by Juventus. Oh, yeah, uh, except, except Robert, I, yeah, ninety-four million. But I read that uh, the Juve, sources from Juventus said that that money, uh, those even though they've already spent like one hundred and forty odd million, including Higuain, that that money is not dependent on the Pogba wow. move, That's which is crazy to me because if if I, I know FFP is pretty much a non-factor now, but yeah. uh, given how much money Juventus has uh, given the issues Juventus had had previously maybe not in the last couple of seasons for them to be able to spend a net 140 million is pretty amazing well i mean it's uh, it's also though just real quick i know we're we're talking about england no, here but just fine. real quick it's it's a global brand i mean juventus isn't yes, at the same level absolutely. as manchester united but it is a global brand and if absolutely. you can win a champions league to increase that global brand then you're you're paying for it yourself right there uh, mm-hmm. when you win the champions league so i think that's yeah, the I, thought process having signed pianic i mean so some might argue with pianic and higuain they're stronger than if uh, with with just Pogba, so I think that I think it's either way Juventus has done well, even if Pogba yeah. leaves. Um, so next talking point, I guess, uh, other, moving away from 
uh, from Manchester United uh, is let's talk about Middlesbrough. Robert, I'll come mm. to you with this. Um, Alvaro Negredo is probably the player that stuck out to me the most out of the the transfer that have gone in. Uh, maybe Victor Fisher is one that we worth uh, that's worth mentioning as well. Victor Valdez, uh, Manchester United, Barcelona ex goalkeeper is the other one. So uh, any players that stand out to you for uh, the newly promoted Middlesbrough side? I think you're right to emphasize Negredo. I think that's a great piece of move by them. And it looks like, you know, with the list of failures coming in, you've got some veterans here. I, for whatever reason, I, I like Victor Valdez. I don't quite, can't quite under, explain it. Maybe I overvalue him. Uh, I like I think, Valdez uh, as well. Yeah, he's a good Yeah, player. I think he's a, you know, a good veteran, uh, you know, in, in, and I think that's that can be invaluable to a team like a Middlesbrough also. Um, but, um, you know, I think you've got some good um, – good experienced players with a, a diverse, uh, you know, coming from some diverse clubs. So it looks like Middlesbrough is doing some scouting and bringing in some, some players that um, can definitely benefit the club. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I think they, they've done some good business here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Gabe, anything to add or should we move? Yeah, to no, I, I think uh, I've, I've been, I've been thoroughly impressed with, with their, their uh, summer window so far. Victor Fisher is another player that um, uh, has been uh, playing in, in uh, the Dutch league now. Uh, for several seasons, had a couple injuries that kind of set back his progression, uh, but there's always been quite a bit of uh, of attention towards him um, as, as a, a great winger. Then uh, to come out of out of Netherlands, uh, we'll see if he can uh, with a new opportunity, kind of a new lease on life, uh, if he can be able to uh, get back uh, some of the the you know. Um, kind of progress than that people were expecting at this point in time, and then also just be you know probably look out for for them to get another center back. Uh, they were uh, pretty much all locked and solid with a uh, deal for uh, Subotich then from uh, from Borussia Dortmund before yeah, uh, he failed his medical, yeah, exactly. failed his medical there, and so that that now deal is off. Uh, so I, I like I said, Subotich I wouldn't just had surgery actually, so yeah, he's yeah. out for a few so, months. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so he's going to be. I mean, I think even longer than that. Uh, it looked like he was going to be out for like half a season. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, you're, you're probably seeing to where Millsborough was looking specifically for kind of a, you know, a, a veteran center back, yeah. uh, you know, with some, some, uh, some top level experience. So, so again, I, I think if, uh, if you're looking for, if you're a Millsborough fan, uh, you're probably expecting to see, uh, another move of that same kind of ilk. Yeah. Which makes sense because they let Jonathan Woodgate leave this summer some, you know, Jonathan Woodgate from, uh, as he played at Middlesbrough before, Leeds United, uh, Real Madrid, Madrid Tottenham. Yeah, he's he's played all <laughs> of the places. I mean, at one point, Jonathan Woodgate was considered to be one of the the best English defender. And I'm talking yeah. at a time where Rio Ferdinand was coming through and John Terry was coming through. So just a very sad. Uh, the, well, I mean, he can claim that he played for Real Madrid. How many how many English players can claim that? Yeah. But the point is that uh, you know his career was very injury injury struck. Let's talk. Gabe, okay, I'll stick with you for Southampton here. Uh, in the yearly sale of players at Southampton, they have uh, already lost Juan Yama, Sadio Mane, Graziano Pelé has moved to Chelsea, uh, Chelsea to China. Uh, Gaston Ramirez has left, and they've brought in Nathan Redmond. Horberg, uh, the 20 year old mm-hmm. Bayern Munich player, uh, and, uh, Nathan Redmond. So, uh, who I already mentioned from North City. So, I mean, I guess the big question for me, forget, forget the players. Is this the season that Southampton finally capitulates after the fact that they've lost 15 first teamers in the last three years? Well, you know, I, I think it's 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 been said like every summer. Um, yeah, that's the thing, and and it, and it never falls off. So you you almost start feeling guilty about you know 
going right back to it and you know kind of beating a dead horse with it. But uh, I, I I do think that this is probably yeah. the summer uh, kind of finally falling off. I mean, as a as a uh, Liverpool fan, I'm just glad that uh, of all the summer dealings, there was only one player that Liverpool went in <laughs> from Southampton. It's a bit of a surprise there, uh, going against their their yearly quota uh, this time around. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I think I think I read parts... I think I read a stat uh, uh, somewhere, and uh, Gabe, I encourage you to fact check me on this. But I think between Newcastle United, uh, Southampton, and Sunderland, I think it was. Aston Villa, no, Aston, Aston Villa, Villa. That Liverpool yeah. has spent a quarter of a billion, uh, was it dollars or pounds in the last uh, few three hey, years? I, five I years. think every every Premier League fan should be happy that we got Aston Villa relegated personally. Okay, so <laughs> so so yeah, send the thank you cards in the mail. No, I, I you know so I mean getting getting back to with Southampton, I think uh, you know some of the they, you know you have to say kudos to their academy. They've been they've been bringing up right. uh, some really great players. Uh, I think the the big thing with Coleman had such a great understanding uh, of uh, you know he, he definitely was was picking some some great then Dutch talent, uh, but I mean his his knowledge then of the other leagues, uh, some key players. Uh, I mean he was just always just making shrewd moves, uh, you know, in, in the transfer window uh, when uh, when Southampton needed to restock after after teams were going in uh, for some of their big players. So uh, I, I just I'm just not seeing that in the summer window. Don't get me wrong. I think I think Nathan Redmond uh, is a good signing and uh, and Holdberg as well from Bayern Munich who didn't really get much of an opportunity. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him with Southampton. Uh, but I mean the light, I think Wanyama is going to be a huge miss. Uh, mm-hmm. For them, yeah. uh, I'm looking. I'm looking then in terms of the goals uh, that are losing then between Saudi Mane and then um, and, and Pella, and I'm just kind of curious where that's going to come from uh, at this point in time. I haven't really heard that many other links uh, with players. It's kind of gone a bit quiet uh, as far as I have seen then for for Southampton. So I, I just I, I really do think that this is um, probably the year to where you you finally find themselves uh, outside of the top ten. Uh, but you you can't you can't say enough then about uh, kudos to the to the club and what they've done o- over the past several seasons. Uh, no one has been hit as hard every single summer uh, with people going out and still retaining space. In fact, usually improving upon mm-hmm. their previous year's position. So really an impressive um, uh, performance then uh, thus far in the, in the past several seasons. Yeah, Claude Poole, uh, ex Monaco manager, is the one who's taken over uh, with Coleman have le- having left, and he has. A serious job to do so let's yep. talk about stoke city robert uh not much in terms of incoming players uh outgoing players peter odim uh steve sidwell has moved to brighton and hove albion uh and we they are being linked with the, the welsh shavi slash pirlo uh, <laughs> joe allen and uh, to be fair joe allen had a terrific euro championship so would yeah. be a good signing but uh probably not the area that they really need to improve in isn't it no, it probably isn't. But I mean, it would Stoke City it would just um, I mean, it would be some talent to come in. Um, Stoke will never probably be the, um, the the team to the club to watch with transfer dealings. I think they're going to miss Odenwingi. I think he was a nice little uh, veteran presence. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think bringing Joe Allen in would I mean, it wouldn't it's not a, a game changer to use a sports cliche, but I think it would help with some talent. Um, but um, no, I think you see with Stoke, you see you get what you see. Um, yeah, nothing much to say about that. Yeah, Let, I'm going to stick with you, Robert, talk, to talk about Sunderland. Uh, within the last couple of days, it has broken that David 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 Wow David Moyes uh, is taking over as manager at Sunderland, uh, and the, 
I have to give big credits to a uh, big credit to our friend Chris Hena. She's one of the first people to break this news. Uh, and the, with Sam Aldice having taken the job at England, uh, it's going to be an interesting season for them. They they narrowly escaped uh, relegation last year. They're going to be perennially, uh, you know, in the relegation battle. But I believe that David Moyes is probably the best hire so far of uh, in in terms of the immediate impact he will have on the on his club of all the teams in the Premier League, and I include Guardiola, Mourinho in that. When you're talking about pure impact, yes, I agree yeah, with you. Immediate uh, impact, I think yeah. Mm-hmm. Immediate impact, yep, because I think that, um, I, I know that the track record of the past two clubs aren't there, but I, I do think that th- this is the kind of situation where David Moyes is, has done well in the past and will do well. I think the big question for Sunderland right now is you're transitioning from two different styles, from Sam Allardyce's style to, to Moyes' right. style. Can Moyes, can Moyes use the players that, Allardyce has brought in to keep Sunderland up and can he adjust his um, tactics and his style of play to these players? Um, I think he could. I mean, again, this is somewhere he's, he's been in this situation in the past. He's done well. Um, so I think he will, but I think that'll be the big adjustment. You've got, you know, you, this transfer window's closing soon. So um, unless he's been out scouting players, which is possible, he's not going to have a ton of time to, mm-hmm. to start implementing his vision by signing people, nor probably the the cash, relatively speaking, but uh, I think if he can keep this afloat for the next six months, start uh, start building what he wants to build, make some splashes in the January transfer window, um, I think this club will be just fine. And I think they couldn't have hired a better manager based on the situation they're in. Yeah, Gaber's uh, going away from from talking about Sunderland to talking about Swansea City, the gaffers beloved Swansea City. Uh, Leroy Fair. This is basically with Swansea City, it seems like it's a transfer window where they're trying to bring in players back to the club. Leroy Fair, Fair has come from uh, QPR. Uh, they've mm-hmm. been linked to Joe Allen again and Wolf Boney. Uh, they've let go of a couple of strikers in Paloski as well as Eder. Uh, and so, so the focus for them is a striker. And I, I don't know about how... Maybe maybe it is a good thing, right? Maybe Wolf Bonney comes back and gets to the levels he was at when before he moved to City. But I don't know. Is it, I don't think he's going to be able to reach those levels again. Yeah, Swansea City is is a, in a I think in a precarious spot at this point in time. Um, you know they've they, they've had in, in the past couple seasons to where um, they really make then that that one shrewd move. Um, that just kind of keeps them, you know, in the hunt, in the hunt for relevancy. At that point, uh, I think last year, you know, Andre Ayew was was definitely that that signing for them. Um, I, I mean, a free transfer coming over from France, um, with the kind of goals they brought over into this team, uh, it, it was a great move. I, I just haven't seen it. I, I like I like Leroy Fair a lot. I think that's a it's a good move. Um, you know, getting him then uh, in that midfield, uh, but I just I, I haven't seen that really that same kind of move. Uh, so far this season, I, I just don't I don't see the likelihood. Um, then, in, in terms of of looking potential with with some of the moves that they might do, um, I, I, I just I, I just don't I don't see it happening. I think that uh, they're going to have to be creative, uh, maybe look outside of the the English market. Um, then for for some of their players, um, you even have also the the likes of um, um, I, I've seen even some some strong uh, links in with uh, Sigurdsson then uh, mm. potentially being you know on the way out. I think that would be a huge blow uh, for for Swansea City. Not not only in terms of their open field play, but he has been a key key piece in making Swansea City then a threat on uh, set pieces, uh, whether it be from corners or, or actual direct free kicks. 
Um, so if, if, if that, that takes place, uh, I, I think, uh, if you're a Swansea city fan, then you have to be quite worried, uh, for the prospects of the season. But, uh, striker is definitely a position that they really need to address. Uh, I think Buffett, Timby, Gomez, uh, had a, a, a good start, uh, to the season. Uh, it could certainly be, a, I think a great option off the bench, uh, coming into the, the late minutes then of a match. And, and again, um, you know, being able to, to be maybe a little bit more direct, trying to get him on a header, uh, use some of his uh, physical presence then in the box, uh, but I just don't see him being then a, a full, well-rounded striker that you can count on then uh, for uh, you know for a majority of 90 minutes. Um, so you really need to address that. I think you, you definitely need a player then um, who's going to be a little bit more mobile, uh, could be able to get the midfielders involved, um, and and I think you're going to have to find someone then um, you know again who's who's probably playing in the Premier League. So uh, hopefully for the uh, Swansea City scouting that they have a, a couple options um, in mind of, of kind of, uh, you know, a player that can can take them maybe to the next level from what they have they have been the past couple seasons. Yeah, Robert, let's, uh, a, a real quick summary of Spurs' uh, summer so far. They've, they've signed Wanyama, as we've mentioned, who's, who's going to give them even more additional depth in an already stacked central midfield area. Victor Janssen from AZ, as well as they're being linked with the Aston Villa 17-year-old Andre Green. Um, so we'll skip Spurs. We'll talk about them when we preview the season uh, in detail in a couple of weeks. Let's talk about Watford here. They, they have a new manager. Um, and I guess they, they've had some, they've had a good summer so far in terms of getting some players in, but not necessarily players that we would consider to be having uh, some exceptional quality. Yep. I mean, when you look at the list of players coming in, it, it is, um, you know, there's very little that I guess hits you upside the head and you sit there and not and go, well, that's a, a key, a key move to make. Uh, you know, I think the big thing is, is, um, the new manager coming in, Walter Mazzotti, who has a lot of experience in Italy, mm-hmm. uh, was last seen pacing the sidelines for Inter, um, where his career ended not so gloriously. But mm. um, you know, has a, but he does have a long. Really quickly, of, give us give us some context of that in, in a minute or so. What, what how did it play out? Oh, uh, just it, this was he was a manager during the I guess I don't want to say the beginning, but during one of uh, Inter's recent swoons uh, when he was sacked, they were in ninth place in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just it, it was just one of those. It was during Inter's I guess they're still kind of going through it. They're searching what does it all mean phases. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, you know he had come from Napoli and had uh, great success at uh, Napoli, and um, so he has a, a long. Uh, this is my way of saying he has a long track record in Italy, and I think mm-hmm. Watford looked at what Chelsea did and said, "Hey, let's bring in someone who's been a manager in Italy successfully for a long time, and and see what they can do in the Premier League." Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a good manager, um, but kind of like the the players, um, he's not a kind of person that makes you makes you nod and go, "This is the key. This is uh, mm-hmm. it's going to bring them success." So, a lot of questions for Watford. Uh, they could, I think, they could be the kind of team that could do surprise um, somewhat, and you know, finish top half. But they could also, you know, remain top half, but yeah. also uh, could not do quite so well. Yeah, if they start the way they did last season, they'll be in top five until Christmas and then fall away. So, uh, let's talk about West Brom, Gabe. Again, not much to talk about. Matt Phillips is from QPR uh, has mm-hmm. come in. They released Anichibi Sessegnon as well as uh, ex-Man United goalkeeper Lindegard. Um, not much to talk about probably the big talking point will be whether or not Berahino stays yeah yeah I think that's it I, I mean at this point in time you have to say that um you know if you're uh, if you're looking at West Brom 
Um, you know, I, I, you know, unless Tony Pulis has some some tricks up his sleeve here, uh, it's going to be a, a, a pretty light window for them. Um, and it's a bit surprising because I think that there's definitely uh, it's definitely a squad that that could have been improved upon. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how how they they fare up. But if you're looking at, I think of the clubs then um, that have um, you know that aren't just recently promoted, um, you got to be uh, you got to say that uh, they're ones and that you can put then in kind of that relegation scrap. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from the fact that you have, have so many other teams around them um, that are improving on their squad, bringing in experience, bringing in some new youth, uh, and and uh, right now West Brom's uh, transfer window has uh, has been um, uh, pretty stale. Yeah. Um, Let's finally talk about West Ham United, Robert. Uh, They've signed a few players. Havard Nordweit, a player that Gabe salivated over for a little bit uh, from Borussia (laughs) Mönchengladbach. At least you did on the ULF podcast. I don't think you talked about it. Yeah, no, no, no. He is a decent player, but yeah. The drool drool is still in my mouth. That's that's right. I can hear hear it (laughs) dropping over the mic. Gokhan Torre from Besiktas. Uh, They've signed a couple of other young players. So, again, not a lot of players that would uh, stick out to us, uh, but I think Gokhan Torre, the forward from uh, from Besiktas, is probably uh, coming in on loan, is probably the one that West Ham fans will be looking at to make the most impact. Agreed. I think he's going to be the, the, the one that can make the hu- biggest impact, and I think it's a good piece of business by them. Although I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Game on this one with Nortby. I think that he's uh, the kind of player that... Uh, could could do well in the Premier League. I, well, let me put it this way: could do better in the Premier League than he did the last time around. Uh, I think. <laughs> uh, fun fact: he was kind of Michael Bradley's replacement in Germany uh, for his club team. Wow. But uh, I think that he could do um, he could do pretty well. I think with West Ham, and I think that's a good piece of business by them. Excellent. Um, so, gentlemen, we will be back, and listeners, we will be back next week. Uh, we will be talking briefly about the Olympics, uh, the soccer part of the Olympics, not not uh, you know diving, which I. Oh. <laughs> Gabe is hitting unsubscribe this week. Uh, so we'll talk about the soccer part of the Olympics briefly, and we'll update you on more transfer stuff. And then a week from next week, well, I guess two weeks from now, uh, we will be getting into previews for the Premier League season, which is crazy. This summer has flown by, and it's been lots of fun doing podcasts with you. So until that moment, uh, on behalf of everyone at World Soccer Talk, uh, on behalf of Gabe Smith and Robert Hay, this is Nipun Chopra asking you to enjoy your football.